My name is Pastor Mike Landsman, and this is the podcast for Zion Stone United Church of Christ. This podcast is taken from my weekly Sunday morning sermons. I pray that as you listen to them, they will be a blessing to you and strengthen you in your walk with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here's what we have for today. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. So I really wanted to preach from the reading from the Gospel of Mark. Uh, it's got a lot of good stuff in it. But I realized when I was thinking about this that uh, the students in the Gospel of Mark Bible study may actually call me out on it. Hey, you're just re-preaching the same stuff we heard about a couple weeks ago. So I figured I should probably focus on something else. So we're going to look today on the reading we heard from 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And this is sticking out to me because of St. Paul's words about our bodies wasting away and our inner, inner man, our inner person being renewed day by day. Uh, because I presided over a, a funeral a couple of days ago, and then after that there was Memorial Day where we remembered uh, at, a, at a service we had in the afternoon those who had given their lives in service uh, to our country. And I've also had some conversations with other people who have experienced recent loss and who are about to experience uh, some, recent, some, some loss. And this got me thinking about, and this, look, right now, I'm going to tell you right now, this is going to sound completely unrelated, but if you stick with me all the way to the very end, it's all going to tie together, okay? All right, good. I know you trust me by it this time. All right, so the other day, as one does, I was listening to a podcast, I think it's called The Fall of Civilizations. And so what this podcast does is it, it in great length, deals with a particular civilization in history that's risen, that's come to some type of power, and then has sort of fallen and, and died away. And the one that they focused on this time was the Qin Dynasty in, in, in China. It's a really interesting podcast. Like they get deep. Like when they say they go back to the beginning, they go back to the beginning. It'll start off 15 billion years ago. The tectonic plate shifted, creating the, these mountains, and then these people uh, came and settled there. It's it's pretty interesting. But in this podcast. It was about the Qin Dynasty in China, and I'm probably mispronouncing that. And in the Qin Dynasty, the, the first emperor of that dynasty, his name was Qin Shi Huang. And he was the first emperor of this dynasty, and according to various sources, after conquering the six warring states of China, he did a lot of other things. He standardized their currency, he standardized their weights and measures, he built roads and canals, and then he linked up individual fortresses to, 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 be to begin to create the Great Wall. This is an impressive list of accomplishments, right? We'd be like, oh yeah, well done for you, Qin Shui Huang. That's, that's awesome. And like most people who have forged history, he wanted to be around to see his kingdom endure. So he did something rather odd. He began to send expeditions out, and he also brought in magicians, and he even sent out a, degree, a decree to all of his subjects, ordering them, bringing like the full weight of the authority that he had and the power of the states, and he gave them a task. Do you want to know what that task was? Yes, I bet you do. He, <laughs> he wanted somebody, anybody, to find him a drink, a medicine, an elixir, something that would grant him immortality. Immortality. In the meantime, when all this was happening, and, and people would try to bring him things and they would fail and he would, he would kill them. 
So in the meantime, he had a massive mausoleum built, which was said to have been incredibly ornate. And the descriptions say it even simulated like the night sky. And they even say that there were rivers of mercury running through it. And there's, you may have seen way back in the day, they found rows and rows and rows of these terracotta warrior statues in China, each one with different faces. That's the degree of detail that they were put in. That's from this tomb. But no one's actually been in this tomb. They know where it is. No one's actually ever opened it, but they have found high levels of contamination of mercury in the soil samples of the area. So it could be. And on top of that, he took, uh, I think maybe a powdered form of mercury uh, regularly, probably thinking it would extend his life. But as we know, mercury is not that great for you. <laughs> and he died at age 49, his quest for immortality, to see his own glory. And burdening his people with an impossible task in the process, his quest was never realized. And that made me think about his quest for immortality and the way he used his people and the impossible task he gave them so he could be alive and remain to see his own glory live forever. And it got me thinking about the words of St. Paul that we heard in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 13 through chapter 5, verse 1. A very different, a very different outlook. And I thought I'd compare those two a little bit this morning. So I'm just going to reread it really quickly. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner man is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen but to the things that are unseen for the things that are seen are transient but the things that are unseen are eternal for we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed we have a building from god a house not made with hands eternal in the heavens Something of note right away here in this passage from 2 Corinthians is this link between the spirit of faith that they have received to what has been written. There is a relationship between the scriptures, and for them it would have been the Old Testament scriptures, because when St. Paul's writing this, he doesn't know he's writing this, and this is going to become part of a collection known as the New Testament. He's writing 2 Corinthians to continue to give a church in Corinth Instructions. I don't want to say orders, but do this, don't do that. Maybe think about not doing this. He's giving them instructions because they were crazy, right? They were out there. And 2 Corinthians actually may be two letters formed together because we know St. Paul wrote at least four, probably four. 1 Corinthians and then... Well, there's one letter that he sent that we don't have. Then, then we, what we now have as 1 Corinthians is the second letter. And then what we now have as 2 Corinthians is possibly the last two letters combined together into, into one. Four letters <laughs> to try and help this church straighten up and, and fly right. But there's this link, right, between the scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures in particular, and the spirit of faith that they all possess. And this is an important point and one we cannot overlook or minimize because, like I've said many, many, many times, 
the Old Testament, and all the stuff in there, even the grisly, awful, difficult parts to understand, are all wound up with the Christian story of God's revelation of Jesus Christ in the new. And there's been a lot of scholarly work to try and remove the Old Testament from any bearing on the Christian life. And there's even Christian pastors of megachurches nowadays seeing, saying that we need to do things like we need to unhitch the Old Testament from the New Testament because the Old Testament is a barrier to faith. It's actually a barrier to people believing in Jesus Christ. So we just kind of have to take it aside and kind of hide it, right? It's like, like that family member we don't really want to talk to, but we just, we kind of put up with when they show up at our house on Thanksgiving. We don't want them to show up, but if we don't invite them, they're going to get offended. So we send them an invitation hoping that they don't come, and then they wind up showing up at our front door like, oh, hey, hey great, thanks for coming. That's not the Old Testament. The Old Testament is just as central to the Christian faith as the new. And St. Paul certainly would have scoffed at this idea of unhitching the Old Testament from the new. And this I believed, so I spoke quotation, is from Psalm 116, verse 10, taken from actually the Greek translation of the Old Testament, which is widely called the Septuagint, which says in full, I believe, therefore I said, I am greatly afflicted. And so the context for this is in this psalm is a prayer to the Lord, thanking him for hearing the psalmist's voice. And even though the psalmist is being afflicted, he can be at rest because God has delivered him. And this parallels really nicely with St. Paul's usage of it here in 2 Corinthians because St. Paul, in just a few verses above, he talks about having the treasure of Jesus Christ in clay jars. We have these treasure in jars of clay, he said. And even if they're being afflicted, their affliction is for the Corinthian people's good because life is being formed in them. And these clay jars, just cheap clay jars, I heard somebody say the other day that these clay jars would be the way we would use that when you go to Aldi and you bring bags and you put your food in there and you bring it, or a plastic bag of giants, right? That would be the, the role of clay jars. This unremarkable, breakable, flawed piece of pottery holds within it the power of God. And so, when they are afflicted, when St. Paul and his friends are, in particular are being afflicted, they, their affliction is for the Corinthian people's good because the life of Christ is being formed in them. And this deepens the hope that, that they have and we have as Christians because St. Paul notes that Jesus will raise them. And not only them, like St. Paul and his co-workers, but also the Corinthian Christians. They too will be raised with St. Paul. And together they will all enter into the presence of Jesus. Everything Paul suffered for them which he teased a few verses previously. We are hard-pressed, but not destroyed. Bearing on our body the death of our Lord Jesus is for their sake. It's like the ultimate version of, right, of everything I do, I do it for you. I know it's a super dated reference, but it's appropriate, right? It's a song that won't go away. Everything Paul does, he's doing it for their good. It's Paul's mission to spread the gospel to the world and for every person who hears and receives participates in that spirit of faith. And it should probably maybe read not just spirit of faith, 
but the spirit of faithfulness, ongoing faithfulness. And when that happens, grace is extended, which should then make us ask ourselves, well, then what is grace? So to oversimplify, right, to oversimplify what grace is to a degree that would make theologians tear their hair out and cry across denominational spectrums, right? To paraphrase, what is grace? To simplify, grace is, a, uh, grace is the energies of God at work. And the energies of God is a fancy way of saying God's activity. And grace as a concept can tend to become hyper-detailed, right? There's saving grace, sanctifying grace, provenient grace, created grace, uncreated grace, the list goes on. But again, to oversimplify, grace is God's initiating actions drawing us to participate in his divine life. And that, brothers and sisters, ultimately is what salvation is. Jesus says in John 14, 23, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Make our home with him. This isn't just some type of quasi-feel-goodism about Jesus in my heart, which can be a very helpful and a useful way of talking about salvation and the Christian faith. But... It's the life of God himself coming to live within us, energizing us to be conformed into the image of Jesus. That's what grace is. That's what grace does. And that grace, as they receive it, and as they keep it, and as they remain in it, extends to more and more people. Right? This is like the ultimate pyramid scheme. But unlike other pyramid schemes, this one actually works. I remember I, was, I needed money back in the day. Like, well, we all need money to survive, right? But I, I wanted a little bit more. So <laughs> I signed up for this company. I'm not going to say their name because I don't want to get sued because uh, you never know, right? It's been, I don't know, 20 years since I've done this. But um, <laughs> it rhymes with Lurbelhife. <laughs> and so the way it worked was you would buy a bunch of products for Lurbelhife. And then what they would do is, after you bought all that product, you would then sell it to other people. And then you would try to rope people to then become uh, representatives of the same company. And then they were, gonna, they were supposed to get more people, and they were supposed to get more people, and they were supposed to get more people. But the products weren't very good. And I got really hungry a lot. And I didn't have a lot of money, so I kind of just wound up eating the supplements myself. And everybody I talked to about it was like, no, no, thank you. We're good. We're good. No, no, we're, we're fine. No, we're good. It didn't work. It works for a couple of people who make it like their goal, their life, but it's always the people at the top. It's never like the rank and file people that make all the money. It's always the other people. But the extension of God's grace is like a pyramid scheme that actually works because God is the one doing the work. God is the one at work. God is the one drawing. And God is glorified as people are drawn in to his family. And as grace extends, as it draws more and more people in, as it draws more people to faith in Christ and faithfulness to Jesus Christ, because it's not just enough to believe in Jesus. We said this, even the demons believe in Jesus. Even the demons acknowledge who Jesus is. 
but it's also faithfulness to Jesus Christ. And as this happens, thankfulness increases. Thankfulness increases. Now, the word, uh, um, and, and thankfulness increases in a few ways, okay? So, the word, let me put it to you like this. When we talk about thankfulness in church and thankfulness increasing, there is a Christian right, which the word means to give thanks. And that word is Eucharist. And the Eucharist means, like I just said, to give thanks. Most commonly also known as communion, which also has a significant meaning to it as well. But the Eucharist is what communion is predominantly called, to give thanks. And so, as more and more people are brought into the kingdom of God through the grace of God, there's an increase in the worship of God centered on the Eucharist, giving thanks And as this increases to more and more people, God becomes glorified because God is glorified not through the punishment of sinners, but in their repentance and their incorporation into the body of Christ. And to be thankful, Christian participation in thankfulness is enacted in the Eucharist. We give thanks to God for what God has done. God's activity, God's energy, God's grace at work in our hearts. As a country, we have a civic holiday every year. It's called Thanksgiving. And we love Thanksgiving because we get to overeat and watch football and go to sleep and fight with our family members about religion and politics. And then after they leave, we're never doing that again. And then we do it again the same year because they're a family and we love them. But the founding of our country is a big deal and the first people who came to our country, their survival and their thankfulness to God and to the people who helped them, right? That's something to very much be thankful for. Absolutely. How much more then are we be thankful for God the Son, the second person of the Holy Trinity, the Logos, the Word, the one who, through whom Scripture tells us all things were made, the one through whom all things exist and hold together by the Word of His power. How much more important is our giving thanks to God than the holiday of Thanksgiving. And if we celebrate the holiday of Thanksgiving once a year, we are giving thanks to God for his activities, his energies on our behalf, at work, in our hearts, how much more important should our giving thanks be? Which is why Christians are to do this regularly. God is then glorified. And thankfulness also increases because those who were once in darkness are now brought near into the light of Christ. And as more are brought into that light, thankfulness for that deliverance increases exponentially. And this is like a tidal wave that starts out in the ocean and gets bigger and bigger and bigger until it crashes into the shore. And thankfulness also increasing isn't, also, isn't just centered around our, our celebration of the Eucharist, right? Which should be should be regularly. Our thankfulness also is for the very real way we see the energies of God at work in our own lives and how that increases thankfulness in us to what God has done. How many of you have had a family member who for most of their life has said, I hate God, 
this Christian stuff, it's not for me. I'm, I'm too much of a bad person. God could never forgive me. Has anybody had a family member like that? Who then, maybe on, even on their deathbed or maybe a few years before they died, were drawn to Christ and God saved them? Has anybody had that experience? You don't have to say anything. Just put your hand up. Or maybe a kid or a child or a cousin or a friend. What does that do when you see God at work in their hearts? When you bring a guest to service and they commit their lives to Christ. That increases thankfulness by me. Thank you for bringing them and thank you, God, for saving them. And now they can join us, right? Thank you. But it increases thankfulness in you to see what God has done in their lives actually bearing fruits. And that causes us all to rejoice because we see God is at work. Because, brothers and sisters, if we don't see God at work in those ways, then our faith is stagnant. And grace is not being extended. And thankfulness is not increasing. And God is not being glorified. So Paul, he says to them, in light of all this, don't lose heart. In the light of the increase of grace and thanksgiving and the glory of God, this leads St. Paul to say, don't lose heart. Because he knows and he acknowledges that the outer self is wasting away. When I came here to this church, I had a full head of dark, rich, luxurious brown hair. And four years later, I'm balding and it's turning gray and there's gray in my stubble. That's not true, but it's funny. I'm wasting away. We're all wasting away. But here's the thing. It's contrasted with the, our bodies are breaking down. That's going to happen. But as that happens, God's energies, God's grace are at work in us, transforming us. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. And here's the thing, brothers and sisters, and this isn't even in my notes. As our inner self is being renewed day by day, and our bodies are wasting away. St. Paul's going to talk about a few minutes about, about the resurrection. So even though our bodies are wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Our bodies are going to die and fall away. We'll be buried or, or we'll be cremated or whatever and, and buried. What's going to happen is our inner self that's with God and Christ in heaven, will be our bodies will be resurrected. And we'll be rejoined together. That's the hope of the Christian faith, the resurrection. Because our bodies are wasting away, they themselves will also be renewed. That's why St. Paul says, and I quote this all, of, all the time, so this is probably my favorite Bible verse, I guess. I used to think it was Proverbs 3, 5, but I guess I now think it's, I think it's Romans 8, right? If the spirit who raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, that same spirit will give what to your mortal body? Will give Life. Life. Our outer self is wasting away. And this is important because our culture revolves so much around youth culture. Everything is youth-oriented, from our entertainment to our clothes and to other things. I'm 44 years old, right? So if you were to see me out in the wild, right, in the summertime, I'd probably be wearing cargo shorts, like a military-style hat, 
Star Wars t-shirt or the one with the tacos on it that you guys got me, right? I'd be dressed like that. In the wintertime, I'll be wearing a hoodie. Like if you come to consistory, I'll be wearing jeans and a hoodie, a pair of comfy sneakers and a hat, maybe a flannel shirt. When my dad was 44, do you think he was wearing flannel shirts and hoodies? When my dad was 44, do you think he was wearing Star Wars shirts and cargo pants? No, my dad was wearing big dog t-shirts that he used to get at the, at the uh, what, what do you call it? the outlets, right? There's this company called Big, big Dog, and it was like Big Dog's like barbecue or whatever. That's what he used to wear, right? But our culture, our, our clothing choices, our clothing style is all focused around the youth, around, around looking young. Like, so fashion, even for older guys, looks back to the young. And this is why older rich folks spend so much money and effort to remain young looking even when the surgeries that they do make them look a little bit worse, which is true. Just watch the Friends reunion and you'll see what I mean. Because our outer self is wasting away. and There's nothing we can do about it. We can live healthily, which is good. We can eat right, we can exercise, we can diet, we can take care of ourselves. Those are all very good things. But it doesn't matter. It does matter, but to a point. But eventually, time and age will catch up with us. And things can increase. And, and St. Paul himself, he, he had particularly painful physical hardships. He was beaten. He was whipped. He was stoned. Shipwrecked. Bitten by serpents. Don't you think that that's going to play out in his health? In his body? I have a friend who I used to roommate with, and he was rear-ended in a collision. And to this day, his back still gives him problems, even though outwardly he looks great. He still has, he still has some issues. It's the same with St. Paul, I think. But even in spite of that, right, the inner man is being renewed by the grace of God. As his body is continually becoming weaker, and as our bodies become weaker, the Spirit of God in us grows from strength to strength. Because the affliction that we suffer is working something out in us. It's working something out in us. Something is happening to us in the middle of this affliction. St. John Chrysostom said this, How does our outer man, how does it decay? Being scourged, being persecuted, suffering 10,000 extremities. Yet the inward man is renewed day by day. How is it renewed? By faith, by hope, by a forward will. Finally, by braving those extremities. For in proportion as the body suffers 10,000 things, in the like proportion the soul, goodlier hopes, becometh brighter, like gold refined in the fire more and more. And see how he brings to nothing the sorrows of this present life, because the things that are seen are temporal. The things that are unseen are eternal. Everything in the here and now is temporary and will, will, will pass away. All of the really good things that we enjoy now, that we experience now, it will all pass away. And even if those things outlive us, we, they will still eventually one day pass away. Everything. But life in God's kingdom, in his new heaven and new earth that's coming, that's also just under the surface and continues to break free, is eternal. And this, brothers and sisters, is the difference between people like St. Paul and us versus the Chinese emperor, Qin Shui Hong. 
King Shui Huang resisted the wasting away of his outer man, believing he could stave off death by magic and esoteric practices. And we busy ourselves trying to delay the inevitable. Try to delay, we try to delay the inevitable. And in fear, we search out things that are going to bring us more life. And we cling to life. Sometimes in a way that might not be helpful for us. Like even in the medical field, I do part-time chaplaincy on the side at, at St. Luke's. And even in the medical field, sometimes people have to come to a decision that, you know what, it's time to let go. And a conversation I had with a patient there a few years ago in the middle of the night helped me realize that. Helping people coming to terms with the fact that they fought hard, they fought long, but now their fight is done is sometimes just as important as doing everything we can to make sure that they survive to the next day, right? It's hard. And in a way, right, the Christian life, even though we can't stave off death by what we do, we know that Christ has staved off death for us. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't try to stave off death at all. We need to take care of ourselves, right? We need to fight with all the energy that we have to support our loved ones, our friends, and our family, right? And we have to support organizations like Bright Hope that try to help women come to a decision to choose life, to choose life. And not only that, but they also share the faith with these women, right? Bringing them in. And then those women will bring their children into the faith. And in that way, the grace of God is at work in them. And it's at work in the girls and the children that they help. And as that grace gets extended, it increases thanksgiving, not only for them, but in the women that they help and in their children who are able to live and survive it, and to grow up, hopefully, and have families of their own. And thankfulness is extended that way. And God is glorified as life is allowed to grow and to continue as it's directed towards service of God. Because we need to remember, brothers and sisters, that as Christians, death has already been driven away from us, right? We, we hear at Easter sometimes, right? Christ is risen from the dead, and my Orthodox friends are still in Easter right now because theirs is later, they have a weird calendar. But they'll say this over and over again if you went to one of their service. Christ is risen from the dead, trampling down death by death, and on those in the tombs he bestows life. Death has already been driven from us. Death has already been conquered. Because even though we will still all pass through the door of death, we do so without fear because Jesus has freed us from its terror. He has freed us from its terror. And Jesus will bring us into his presence with all of his faithful people across all millennia, right? And the way that, that we heard in the reading that Adam and Eve, how they resisted and disobeyed God, right? And what that did to humanity as a whole, Christ has undone. And he's undone it through his death and his glorious resurrection. 
And so to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, be all glory together with his Father who is from everlasting and is all holy, good, and life-creating spirits. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty God, fountain of all goodness and truth, receive our thanks for the revelation of your grace, which is able to make us wise to everlasting life. And grant us that the words which we have heard this day may through your blessing be grafted in our hearts that they may bring forth in us the fruit of good living to the honor and praise of thy name through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening to the podcast for Zion Stone United Church of Christ. If you have a few minutes, I'd like to ask you to go to gofundme.com slash zionstonechurchrepairfund. Our bell tower is in need of some major renovation and repairs, and we could use whatever help you're able to give to us. If you'd like to find out more about us, check us out on our Facebook page, Zion Stone UCC, or on our website, zionstoneucc.com. Thanks again for listening. I pray that these sermons will continue to strengthen you in your walk with Jesus Christ, and may the blessings of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you.